yo, yo, welcome to the Coach's Vibes. Happy to present another episode today. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined today by the real Coach K, about to be the only Coach K after next year. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Coach Natty T, and we have a special guest with us, Lance Sullivan. I'm so proud of you. You are my, my cousin. You are doing amazing work, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. All right, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it being here. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to you here in a second. We're just going to kick it over real quick to Coach Natty T to talk about the Champions League final recap. So you had a prediction and it just didn't materialize. So what, what happened? Yeah, so I'll go real quick. So Champions League final <laughs> last Saturday, um, Chelsea played Manchester City. I picked Manchester, Manchester City to win 2-1. to one. Chelsea won 1-0. One so really have two big takeaways. First takeaway was Pep Guardiola, who's the manager for Manchester City. Um, <laughs> kind of the big fallout after the game was the lineup that he chose initially, because he's known to be uh, a wizard or just kind of like putting on master classes in terms of coaching. But the caveat was they've played Chelsea. That would have been the third time in the past six weeks. And they've lost to him all three times. So even though they won the English Premier League um, and Chelsea finished fourth, they played him twice before that and they lost. So a lot of people think he got in his head a little bit. Because normally when you put out a lineup, you want to have a good mixture of offensive players and defensive players. He kind of went all offense, which is fine. But what happens is if it doesn't work and you need to make adjustments, you've put all your offensive players on the field. So now when it's time to, in the second half, to put in another player, you didn't really have much options to go to. Mm. So that was interesting because normally he doesn't get flustered like that. There's sometimes where he gets a little over analytical, um, but that was a big takeaway, but big congrats to Chelsea. I mean, they, they deserve it. They played fantastic. Um, second biggest takeaway. So Christian Pulisic, those who don't know, he's an American, um, well, first American, male American to play in the Champions League final and actually come into the game and play. So <laughs> there's a group of American soccer fans that think guys like Christian Pulisic, who plays for Chelsea, that just won the Champions League, guys like um, Serginio Des, who plays for Barcelona, guys like Weston, Weston McKinney, who plays for Juventus, playing at the top level, should be playing in the MLS because it helps popular, makes it more popular because you have your stars here. But no, you need your best young players playing in the best leagues in the world, in the biggest games and contributing to winning teams like Christian Pulisic did. Because mm-hmm. the only way you're going to elevate the game of soccer in this country is by the international level. And you need your best players playing in the best teams playing in the best leagues playing in the best competition so for those of you that think that it's an idiotic thought (laughs) because for example there's a game on tonight there's a guy in dallas named luka Dantich, right my man my man (laughs) so my man if how crazy this is. That would be like the European basketball fans over there saying, you know, Luca, you should stay over here. You shouldn't play in the NBA because you should help grow the game in Europe. Like, no, you need him playing in the NBA and proving that he's a top player in the world. 
So mm-hmm. I use that as an example, but you know, I could go on, but we got a rest of the show to conduct. But for those of those, <laughs> those, those people who think that, like that's just very idiotic. So Christian Pulisic is proof by winning the Champions League with Chelsea and actually coming on to the game and have a, a big contribution to the game. So yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Like, because yeah, I'm like, because it really bothers me. Because I'm like, oh yeah, he I'm like, dude, that makes no sense. Because <laughs> right. like, like, I think it's a very short-sighted way of looking at things. Very short-sighted. If Slovenia says, though, no, Luka, you need to stay here and play in the best league here, then is that really going to develop a pipeline of people who are inspired to play basketball when basketball is not the primary sport? It's easy when it's the primary right. sport in your particular country. But like him going to the NBA, now Katz is looking at it like, yo, okay, if I if I dominate here, if I go through this pipeline, I'm at least going to have people looking at me now. Right. You know, there's a chance to have people looking at me because Luka yeah. did. You know, so yeah, yeah. So I like that comparison. I like that a lot. Well, speaking of basketball, we got an expert here on on uh on the podcast here um so lance sullivan uh state of the art basketball gym in grove city which is here in ohio for those of you not from ohio um equipped with nba training technology and so uh it's called hoops by nature hoops by nature uh so that's a dope that's a dope title i saw some videos of the gym i just got really excited we definitely got to come through um to to check it out uh, but we would, we just wanted you to start uh, by just talking about like your basketball journey, um, you know that uh, that led to this position that you are in now. Yeah, uh, and well, it's been a long journey. Um, I think I started playing probably when I was in uh, uh, first grade or so. I got introduced to it by my dad, and you know he took me. I remember I kind of remember playing my first. I shoot my first baskets at Douglas Elementary is right off Broad Street. They closed that down now, but out there on that court and teaching me trying to shoot layups. And um, and then I remember um, I lived on Summit and we had an alley. This is when I was in second grade um, and I was trying to learn how to dribble between my legs. You know how you walk and you dribble and then trying to learn how to wrap it behind my back. And my dad is a firefighter, and so he would work 24 hours. And then he would be, he would work 24 straight hours. He would be off for 48 straight hours. So my thing was like, man, he get he got he'll go to work like at eight in the morning and not get off to the next day. So I'm like, oh, today I'm gonna, by the time he get home tomorrow, I'm gonna have it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm whip it behind my back, but I'm still turning and, you know what I'm saying? So I remember those days just in the alley, like, man, I'm gonna get it. When he get home by tomorrow, I'm gonna have it. So I'm practicing, you know, in the alley and whatnot. Um, and then uh, it just progressed and kind of fell in love with it. I played soccer was my first sport and then uh, football. Um, and then basketball was like right in the middle where, you know, you know, you ain't getting chopped down and you ain't getting colliding into people I'm like look I'm a little guy I don't, I'm like this ain't this ain't turning out once I got to kind of eighth grade but I I really um just stuck with basketball and uh even middle school days um really was um always a pretty decent player you know what I'm saying and I uh didn't really have great athleticism like so and I'm not like a really big guy so I'm, I'm only like six foot like 170 so when you start looking at like size and like levels that, that a person is going to play on, you know, 
Um, obviously, that's very important. Size comes into play and athleticism comes into play. But um, um, I had a, I had a one thing about the journey that I that I took or that I had is that I had a chance to have a lot of different um, coaches. I played on a lot of different teams. It really wasn't a good thing, and we could possibly talk more about it. But I played on seven teams in nine years from 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 uh, from ninth grade until ending college. So, um, you know, um, three high schools and four different four-year colleges. You know what I'm saying? And so I wouldn't recommend that journey. Um, but for me, it worked out because um, I had a lot of different coaches. You know what I'm saying? I got a lot of different philosophies and um, had, a, had a chance to live in different states, you know, West Virginia, Missouri, Oklahoma, um, Texas, and obviously Ohio and um, so I'm very thankful for that process and, and that journey, but um, it, it definitely has been a huge sacrifice to, to even be a basketball player. Um, and then, you know, the thing about basketball, it's a really fragile game. So um, injuries and things like that that are uncontrollable can can very much take place at any given time. And so you're almost like feeling like you're on a um, – on a tightrope or, or an unsecure situation um, at all times, just because, you know, you can have injuries. And I had um, three knee surgeries, broke my ankle, broke my toe twice, broke my nose three times, concussions and busted mouths and ankles. And, you know what I'm saying? Broke my, uh, broke my ankle um, once and broke my wrist, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it comes with it, but um, I definitely wouldn't take it away. And I'm very, very much thankful for the for the different people that have been very instrumental um, in my process. And, you know, uh, it, and you know, growing up because uh, of Ephesus and our religion and things like that, um, one thing that was very different for me was um, my, I don't know if you know this or not, but my mother and father are still married and have been for some time now, um, obviously since I was younger, like one or two, but it's uh, been, my mother is a Jehovah Witness and my dad is a Seventh-day Adventist and they live in the same house. <laughs> so from a very early on age, um, obviously, play football and basketball games on Friday and things like that. And so for me, it was, it was, I grew up in a different situation because I had two different parents in the same house telling me two different things. Like literally when you turn your back, like, Hey, you know what he said, listen to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they did it in a respectful way. Um, but it was like, I learned to find out and kind of believe, um, believe what I needed to believe that felt right for me uh, from a spiritual standpoint. And, um, you know, there was, I went to Mount Vernon Academy. Mm -hmm. You don't know that it's a boarding school to where you live there in dorms. And um, it was a seven day Adventist school. So we didn't have to worry about playing on a Sabbath and things like that. And, uh, um, and that, and that was, and that was good for me. I went my 10th grade year. Um, and so it's it's always kind of it's always kind of a touchy situation, especially if you're talking with people that's strong in their faith and believe in a certain way. Um, but but also never felt like I was sinning by participating 
in basketball and, and participating in something that I love and it's something that create opportunity for me. Um, and um, I, I definitely understand the rest process and I'm never trying to like go and dispute what, what God is saying. I'm not saying it in that way at all, but I'm saying it in a way of, it was opportunity for me. And um, I was just a guy that just, you know, played as hard as I could and, and the journey kind of just continued to go and um, um, kind of got me to this place now. Yeah, and did, you did some overseas stuff too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played overseas in 2000 and, um, 2009, 2009 and 10. Yeah, and uh, that was an unbelievable experience. I got to go to eight countries. Um, um, I had a really good team I played on. I played on a really good club. We had a, like a unbelievable arena that we played in. And um, that was just an unbelievable experience. I actually tore my hip flexor. So, you know, it, it slowed, it kind of derailed my, my, my professional career, but um, that was an unbelievable experience uh, as well. So, so yeah, I don't take, I, don't, I really don't have too many regrets for, about it. Yeah, that's dope. I was, I was telling you before the show, Lance, that I watched your highlight tape and I, I was like, it just brought back memories of, of us all playing, you know, together and watching yeah. play stuff like that. And it was interesting that you are always under control when you play. And and I, I loved watching that. It kind of reminds me of like Chris Paulish, like how it's like, you know, I'm not gonna let your your defense rush me. I'm gonna get to my spots. I'm gonna do what I'm what I'm gonna do, and you're not gonna take me out of my element. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you didn't have to be a high flyer or the fastest person or the tallest person, but nobody could stop you at the same time. Um, it was just amazing just to see your ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think that's important too in real life. You know, like sometimes like everybody's process is different, and as a player. Um, especially when you had a ball, the ball scores in basketball and whoever has the ball has to make sure that they're under control and that they're not getting sped up. And then the exact opposite, when I'm on defense, I understood, rather it looked like it or not, I understood that applying pressure and making you continue to think about me, eventually you're going, you probably might turn it over. So if I continue to stay in certain positions and areas on the court, um, rather that's off the ball or on the ball, um, really trying to, as a defender, I really try to make people think about me. But as an offensive player, I try to make sure that I didn't allow my opponent to ever feel like they were controlling what I was doing. And it's and that's when we talk about like the game within the game, because as we're playing the game, I'm reading you and you're reading me if we're guarding each other. And obviously you can read some other people too, but it's a matchup in between each other. Um, for certain positions and, and angles and inches that we're fighting for and sort of like, all right, you got – like it ain't a one-on-one thing. So if you come and get the best of me, I don't necessarily have to come back and try to get the best of you. But, like, if you if you, if you you get the best of me three times and I ain't did nothing, I ain't got nothing to come back with. And so there's, there's a time in which where it's like, okay, all right, now I just got to come and show you, like, something and make sure I come back at you but I'm still not losing sight of we're trying to win. It's about a team or whatever the coach is trying to get done. And so it, it definitely becomes like a, a a cerebral thing that's more than a physical thing um, and allowing, your, allowing yourself to, to never get sped up is, is really a part of practice and making sure that you know how to handle the ball 
well enough to not allow their opponent to control you. Yeah, that's, that's super dope. I don't think a lot, sometimes we get caught up into the, the individualism of a team sport. Yeah, and, and I, I think you, you articulated very well when you talk about getting the best of someone. It's like, so if someone, you know, they make a good move on you and, and then, you know, they, they hit a jumper. It's like, I don't necessarily have to hit a jumper in response to you. Like I control the ball and I make a sweet pass and my dude gets two points, then we good then, you know? Like, yeah. Straight yeah. up. And it, and it becomes a, it becomes sometimes a real struggle, I think, um, with a player in, in, that, in, that, in that environment and in that situation and then still making sure that, 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 that you're, you're trying to win your matchup but more importantly, you're trying to win the game. And that always has to supersede everything that's kind of going on. But that sometimes doesn't always happen because everybody has their own ideal of what winning looks like or their own idea of what is best for them or what, you know, what their role is. And so it can really get tricky, you know, um, and, and, and every person goes to the next a certain level but they're coming from a team still. So even when you played on, I played on high school, I played on a high school team, but I'm the only one going to this college and somebody else is going somewhere else. So now you got to kind of find a new way of making sure you get the best out of your teammates and you still understand exactly what the coach is looking for because um, at the end of the day, they're going to be the person that is going to give you the plan time without though losing sight of what you do. You know what I'm saying? So you can't never, like, a coach ain't going to be able to tell me what I do better than what I do good or what I don't do good. He, he's going to be able to tell me based off of how many times he's seen me play. So if he's seen me play five times, he's going to be able to judge me off of the five times I played. Maybe I played and really did really good and was just hot. You know what I'm saying? That don't necessarily mean that I'm, I'm ready to play in the league or anything. It just It just – it's like that's what that's the body of work over how much they seen a person. But then you can you can um, kind of get lost in believing too much of what a coach is saying is what I'm saying. And, and then now you're trying to prove to the coach whatever, and you're losing sight of like what you really do, and you're allowing him to to determine like your value, which is which is a a fine area because you do need to listen to your coach and you need to be coachable, and he is the producer and director, but once the game laces up and once we in the game, like if I come down and I do something, even if it's a little contrary to what he's trying to do, if I'm successful, you can't argue with success. And so that's where as a, you always as a player, I think have to stay on the leading edge of believing in yourself and your abilities a little bit more than anybody else that's even coaching you or training you. Some good work. You as a person have seen every rep that you took. And also you should know and seen all your turnovers and know all your misses too. But as a player, you know, we forget about that quick. You gotta have a short, short-term memory when you start missing. And we forget about that fast. Right, right. Oh, that's that's good. I, I like the way you said that. I love the way you said that a lot. Uh and so to take us to the what inspired you to create uh hoops by nature. Well, yeah, man. Um I don't know if y'all know, but Hoops by Nature, um, it comes with uh, what it comes with. I also have 12 acres of land in the back of it. Um, and so when I came up with the name of it, it wasn't 
I didn't know nothing about the land. And so that's just a blessing and just uh, goes to show um, how, how divine intervention and how powerful the most high is in um, really making sure you get whatever that you put out there that's in order and it's bigger than just myself. Like I don't have any biological children myself. Um, and so I'm not doing, I didn't do a gym so I could have my son's hoop. Um, but the name Hoops by Nature, I was trying to think of a name. This is like uh, 2016 or something. I want to say 2016. And it was taking me like a while to come up with just the name. And this is way before the gym. This is before I even, right? So I'm just coming to come up with like an Instagram name, right? I'm training now. Um, and to, just to take you back a little bit, Seth was the first player I ever started working with um, in he seen me at Lifetime Fitness. His dad seen me playing and was like, hey, man, I got a son. He's in middle school. Could you kind of start working with him? And so we organically start working every day, every morning. And it turned into this uh, couple of years. And then it turned into more people wanted to train because he was doing really good in high school. And so then it was like, hey, I need to get an Instagram name. And I wasn't even I didn't even have Instagram at that time. And so I was trying to come up with a good name or whatnot. And uh, I just came up with the. Uh, Hoops, and I'm like, who are right, named on this? It took me, I would say it took me three or four months to come up with just the name, like consciously, like thinking about like, what? Da, 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 da. And just one day I was sitting there, I was in my living room and, and my, my my lady friend at the time, she was uh, cooking and I ran over there and I was like, ah. I'm like, I got it, I got it. And she was like, what? I'm like, who's by nature? She was like, like that, like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been uh, it's been uh, something that I just stuck with and ran with. And then I'm big on manifestation and I'm big on um, kind of speaking things into existence. And maybe I said it so many times that it was like, oh, we're going to bless you with some nature for real. We're going to give you some land with it. You know, uh, so how how it came to be from a standpoint of manifestation was me really like there's a problem with uh, grassroots basketball and the way that people are developing and how they're not focused on life after sports. So that's my problem really, that no one's really focusing on how the game of basketball actually can, is a direct correlation to real life. If you can understand team environment, communication, being accountable, discipline, um, structure, uh, all the things that actually it takes to be, be a winner in basketball, if you can understand that, then you can apply that to any industry. And the thing is, people are not taking that and applying it. And so, you know, when I think about rebounding in basketball, um, I think about second chances in life. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because somebody shoot the ball, the, 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 like, the, the numbers is, even if he's really good, he's only going to shoot 50% in basketball. Mm -hmm. And that's good as you're gonna shoot though. Like from 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 an average, like if we say 40 to 50 from three, right? Maybe 50 to 65 at the high end and from two. You know what I mean? And like we talking about there's a lot of misses. So if you're not thinking about the small things like so if you win the basketball game, I mean, and you look at the rebounding and you look at the turnovers. 
usually whoever has the least amount of turnovers and more rebounds usually is going to win the game. Right. It's those two. Like, we ain't even talking about shooting the ball or nothing. So, then you got to add in, um, you know, um, I think having a willingness to know the reason why you're doing whatever you're doing. And people don't have a reason why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know why they're playing. They're just playing. And then because there's so many people that play, um, if you don't have a reason why, you're going to get X'd out. Like strictly off of not knowing because what's going to happen is your motivation is going to run out. And, and you don't have – and one day, you know, you was all motivated. You heard somebody talking and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get it. And then you got to realize basketball is nothing but a repetitive thing. You do the same thing over and over and over. And, yeah, we can kind of throw some wrinkles in there and make it a little fun. I like to compete. I try to make it as fun as possible because I know it's really repetitive. But, mm -hmm. hey, man, you got to learn how to do the same stuff over and over and over. And then you got to and then you got to kind of um, simplify it and make it as efficient, try to be as efficient as you can if you want to continue to rise in the ranks. Because being the best high school player, when you get to college, everybody's the same. Everybody was the best high school player. And then obviously you were the best player in college. Everybody already did that. And now the fine details between good, great, and Hall of Fame are, are like, you can't even see it. You know what I'm saying? Like if we took a hundred of the hundred of the last cut players in the league, and we put them and we show, and we like had them go through a workout, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between why is he not on? Well, the difference is between because it could be anything from shoot, he's two inches smaller, he's five pounds lighter. It could be his it could be his wingspan. It could be the agent he picked. It could be um, his. Uh, they didn't need nobody that time uh, that team. Um, it could be he don't know how to take care of his responsibilities outside of basketball, and his time management sucks. So if your time management sucks and they know you're only going to practice for three to four hours in a day. Like, I was working out with Kay Felder not too long ago, last week, two weeks ago, and Kay Felder plays uh, five, six years in the NBA, small guard, and played for, for uh, actually Cleveland. And Kay was just telling me, like, man, the biggest thing is time management. It's like, what am I going to do when I'm done? And I got I've been in, I've been in here from 10 to 12. And I got the whole rest of my day, and I got millions of dollars. That's the part to where no one's talking about how to money management, how to um, financial literacy, how to like pick friends and relationships. And so that's that's where I seen so many holes in the basketball deal to where I wanted to be like, look, I want to have a program that is um, focused on skill development and then we can concentrate on everything else you need. Because if you do make it, why, why, why get your money took by some people that you don't know? Cause you don't know nothing. You know what I'm saying? I had some kids I was just asking the other day, uh, this one in 10th grade. I say, he didn't under, he didn't know what the uh, interest was, right? So you don't know what interest is, but you're about to be done with high school in two years. In 24 months, you're, you're done. And then I asked somebody else in 10th grade, they didn't know what, um, weak side of the floor versus strong side of the floor. Like, bruh. Really? really? Yeah, like, bruh. So you don't know weak side versus strong side. 
and you don't know what interest is. I mean, so you don't really know nothing, basically, about basketball or or business or real life. So, like, what does it really look like for you in 24 months? It's not looking good. You see what I'm saying? That's where I want to be able to, like, wake people up and be like, bruh, I'm cool with the basketball. But this, it's a slippery side to this basketball thing, too, that nobody's talking about. I'm talking mm-hmm. about really, like, like, people are going through depression, like, real live depression. And yeah. when I see, because it was all good and everybody was hee hee ha ha and, and clapping for you, but now nobody, now you're embarrassed to come outside because you don't, you don't got a deal and they're going to be like, where are you playing at now? And you don't want to say, I don't play no more. I didn't, I didn't take care of my business or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? That's a hard sweat, to pop, a hard pill to swallow sometimes for, for, for people like us. Wow, that's amazing. You're embedding all those life lessons into the game of basketball and people, so people understand at a young age and hopefully prevent them from making some mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Kobe Bryant that said, you got to fall in love with the process. And, and he loved the, pro- even after injury, this the recovery process, that tedious day-to-day stuff, he had to fall in love with it because he knew if he holistically dedicated himself to it, that the dividends would be there yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, the, and and just like he, like like what Kobe was saying, like that's very true. And it's a very lonely process. You know what I'm saying? Like people think that it's gonna be all sweet, but it's it's so much that we kind of put into basketball to even give ourselves a chance to play and get paid. That when you don't. <clears throat> when it don't pan out, you really probably had, haven't spent a lot of time doing nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have anything else. Like there's no more time in the day. Think about it. You go to school for eight hours. Then, you know, you like half of your life is taken away through sleep and going to school. Like, you know what I'm saying? Then the other part of the time you put in is basketball. Like there's no way you're going to be a, a great roofer, a great basketball player, a plumber, and an electrician. Like, it's not enough time to learn everything. Right. You know what I mean? So these kids are putting their time. I mean, at the end of the day, you still want to have a social life. So if I'm at school for eight hours, I got to sleep for eight hours. Then I got all these distractions and all this other stuff. Like, if you're not impeccable with your time management, you don't actually really have a chance. If you don't have somebody like on you and telling you like, you got to get 500 shots up a day. You got to be on your cardio. You got to be making sure you're picking your friends. I mean, like, it's literally like talking about like us right now, just making up something about, hey, I want to dream and yeah, I want to do whatever. I want to be an astronaut. Okay, you want to be an astronaut? We're far away from being an astronaut. We don't even, we ain't even took the basic science. (laughs) <laughs> like the first astronaut class like yeah but if we seen it right now I don't want to necessarily tear your dream down but I'm thinking man you ain't going to pull that off until you got 20 years left before you even start pulling it off mm-hmm. it's like you really want to do 20 years worth of work that's what it takes 20 years basically 18 between 16 and 18 years it's going to take you before you actually get paid to play mm-hmm. so if you've been doing something for 18 years you should be pretty good at it <laughs> it's like if we did anything for 18 years, you yeah. better be good. Right. You try something else. And the thing is, is people don't get <clears throat> enough competition and don't get to go against enough bump to be able to determine your 
they really want to shut it down. They got people like, oh, you're pretty good. Well, you're, I mean, I take myself for an example. I was decent. I was considered the best point guard in Columbus when I graduated. I was first team all city as 11th grader. I was first team all city as a 12th grader. I was, our team won a city and state championship. I was a point guard. Um, I was first team dispatch of Ghana. So that's considered the top five players in the area, regardless of like OCC, City League, everybody, right? What does that mean? What does that mean? That's not really saying nothing, bro. <laughs> like there's a top point guard in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Chicago. Uh, we can go to uh, any, any city. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you match up if we take 50 of the top players? Now where you at? Somebody got to be 50. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm 50 in the gym, though, if I know I'm number 50 in the gym, my mindset is different than if I'm not, if I'm number one. Like, it just is. <clears throat> so like, bro, I think I'm like this, the sorriest dude. I'm like one of the weakest dudes in here. Like, in your mind, you know, like, bro, I'm not – I can't get my game off. Like, dudes is better than me, like – and then don't and then I'm saying when you get into a certain level, it ain't no knock. It ain't no knock. It's just the he can pick up on the details like this, and you a half a second late. Half a second is in basketball when we sprinting, that's feet. That's like that's inches, that's millions. Like now I don't think they quite understand how two inches is the difference between six, seven hundred thousand. I don't think they quite understand how how high you jump. The inches is at they're at they're adding up every single inch across that 94 foot court, bro. And because you don't pick your friends good, you missed over the course of the last five, you missed 14 hours that you might have needed. Mm. It might be a 14 hour difference of work, but that's the difference between now you gotta go from Columbus and now instead of going playing in the league, you gotta go to Europe, right? And you don't never even been outside of Columbus. Or maybe you went to college at Bowling Green. Let's say you went to Bowling Green. So all you ever did is in Ohio, and now you're about to go to Europe and in a country and, and go to a place that's, that's totally different in culture and food and lifestyle and timing. And it's harder to do that than it is to co-play in the league. Oh, yeah. But everybody like, oh, the cliche is, oh, I'm going to go play overseas. You're going to go play overseas. You're going to be right back here because you, you don't have nothing except for a Columbus field. You don't you 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 still want to be on Zoom or Skype when I was playing Skype trying to keep up with people when it's an eight hour time eight hour difference in time though. So you mm-hmm. when you sleep, they up and now you still trying to keep up with your girlfriend. It ain't gonna mm-hmm. work. You know what I'm saying? So when I say it's a lonely process, like I really mean that. Like, and for me, I don't know if you guys know that know this or not, but I'm all about this because I got a second chance at basketball and and I actually got a full ride scholarship while I was locked up in jail. And a lot of people don't know that. Like when I was uh, um, um, at Northwest Missouri State, um, I had got in trouble for selling weed. And this is in 2008 and lost my scholarship. It was in the summertime and whatever the case may be. And um, I went to Langston University, HBCU in uh, Oklahoma. And uh, from when I was down there, uh, I ended up having to do, um, well, I went to, to the HBCU, you know, the, I don't know if you know, but the, the court process takes like a year. So this process took 
a year. So I'm transferred and I'm going through this time and it's in limbo at this time. Um, and I went down to HBCU in Langston University and it was like the kick it headquarters at my apartment. First day I come back, it's like smoked out. It's like everybody's kicking it. And I had to make a decision, man. Like I got a, I'm, I'm pending process. I have a, a B felony behind me for selling weed and they put me at five to 15 years, right? This is on the, I'll show you the paperwork, man. Like this is going on for a whole year. So I'm 21 years old at the time and I'm trying to figure out like, trying to use basketball they're kind of saying like you continue to play you can continue to keep going we'll 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 create some opportunity for you and um i realized it was the kick your headquarters at my at my apartment and um i was like hey coach can you switch me apartments whatever the case they like hey everything's full we really can't do nothing um and i love my people a lot but black people everybody think they can hoop so <laughs> It just is what it is. So you, you take a couple thousand black people, put them in one small area, they go and you put a basketball and you got a rim, they're gonna hoop. And so that year I was down there in 2000 and, that was 2008, 2009. Yeah, 2008, 2009. And um, I had to make a decision. So they were actually, they were actually redoing the student union okay so the gym that the the this regular students that gym was now the cafeteria because the student union and, and the cafeteria they was remodeling that whole year and they didn't get it done the whole year so the auxiliary gym becomes the cafeteria and the gym where we hoop the main gym the actual gym which is only one court. It only had one court. Mm -hmm. That is the gym where the whole students from eight o'clock at night to midnight is got their chicks, they gambling, they kicking in, they, and only five people can get on at a time, right? Mm -hmm. There's about 60 people in here. <laughs> Man. So I'm down here going through what I'm going through, right? Nobody really knows. The coaches obviously do and stuff like that, but um, I'm trying to, you know, get my shots up or whatever case. I'm not trying to hoop with y'all, right? Um, very, very disappointed in, in myself and, you know, where I was at at the time. And so I decided, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go sleeping in the gym. So I created my whole schedule around sleeping in the, uh, around getting my shots up. So what I would do was at midnight, I knew they was about done. So I would wake up, let's just say in the morning, I will wake up at seven in the morning. I'll go to class, uh, I eat, go to class, um, school be over, you know, college is over at 12 or so, whatever the case. And then I would go um, to practice at maybe two, two to four or five. I would go, go uh, shower and go eat. And then I would go to sleep. Then I'll wake up at um, 11, 30, 12, get ready, start gearing up. I'll stay in there until 2 or 3 in the morning every night. Wow. You know, shoot until my arms start shaking. Got what I'm really? saying? I was doing it so much that people started coming and watch. You know what I'm saying? I would just put the gun out. It would shoot the guns back. I would put my earphones on, and I would just, ha, 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 I ended up averaging 20 points that year. I ended up in a all-American was runner-up of the player of the year. 
Now, now I had transferred NCAA twice because my first year I broke my foot. I redshirted at West at Willing Jesuit University, and then, um, um, uh, like I had an offer at Northwest, and it was a better better school, better situation. So I went into that one with still four years left. I was able to get freshman of the year, second team all conference at Northwest Missouri State. One of the best D2s. They actually won a D2 national championship this year and actually won in the last five years. Um, and so we were we were a good good team, top one of the top five teams in the country and whatnot. Um, and we were pretty good. So we had I had two good years there. And then that's when I got in trouble in the summer. And so I had to go to Langston. And then so from there, because I transferred NCAA twice from Willing Jesuit to Northwest, and I'm transferring again, you have to go NAIA. So I went NAI Division One, and it was a good average, a good amount of points, 19 points a game or so. And and then after that season, basically what happened was I had my the verdict of what they were going to give me. So they decided to give me um, a, a SIS, which is a suspended imposition of sentencing, meaning basically they said, okay, you've never been in trouble before. You're 21 years old. And we're going to give you 60 days in jail, five years of community service, I mean, five years of probation and 125 hours of community service, right? Yeah. Now, they tell me now, the thing, this is the deal. After you finish your five years of probation, it's like it never happened. It's a non-conviction. They don't have expungement like how they have here. It's a non-conviction. Now, they said now, if you get in trouble at any point in this time, you got six years automatically. Mm. So I walked up out of there to court. You know, I had to turn myself in in a couple of weeks. So I flew back here. Man, long, long trip. I don't know if you ever had to do that, but a long trip to the airport. Like I was, like I was, I was slide my feet through the airport. Like man, I so turn my turn that in. Boom, that happened. Um, it really is one of the best things that ever happened to me because what it allowed me to do was. Um, kind of put my back against the wall and be like, look, bruh, you put yourself in this position, so now you kind of got to claw your way out of it. And um, I, I learned a lot about myself because I didn't know the levels in which the amount of focus and the amount of, when you look at a paper and they're talking about giving you five to 15 years, I'm not built like that. I'm not built to be going to jail. Like, I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm not for that. So I experienced it for a couple of hours the first time. And then I experienced it because they gave me 60 days in jail. Now the blessing came when I actually went um, and I had two teams um, that were looking. Now Langston was like unbelievably crazy. Um, I love my people and whatnot, but when you get two <laughs> in the same environment and they ain't, minds ain't right, it is not good. So everybody was sipping lean. This is right around when the refugees had just came from New Orleans. Everybody got 22s on their whip. Doo, doo, doo. Like it was a pretty unbelievable situation. I couldn't believe it was like people was getting shot on campus. My brother came up there and they had a shootout the next day he came to. It was pretty crazy. Um, I can't believe it was, I had went to real schools and then I'm like, this is, and basically, <laughs> okay, you want to, you want to screw around? I'm gonna put you right where you want to be. Then you know what I'm saying. So, um, good wake up call for me. And then, uh, 
they wanted me to stay and come back, but I decided to go to uh, uh, Roger State. But in the meantime, um, when they gave me that sentence, I, I could I was like I thought I was just gonna get probation, and we're talking about a dime bag of weed. Where it wasn't like like nothing like unbelievably crazy. Um, so, making a long story short, bro, uh, I was in there. And um, I was in there about 15 days. And I'm like, I started reading these books on affirmations and really like um, writing them down and really like staying faithful in, into what my belief and, and my affirmation actually was, I will stay f- faithful and true because I know God is working for me. So I, you got to write this like 10 times. You can't miss a day. And this book is actually called, uh, you can change almost anything in 21 days. And then they say like in 21 days, you're going to have a breakthrough, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, it was all about it, and I'm, I go in, I'm like all in, and then I had a, uh, had an opportunity. Basically, they were like, "Hey, come up on a visit." So they actually allowed me, like, on the 15th day, to get out and go on a visit and drive from Nottaway County, Maryville, Missouri, all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where uh, where uh, Roger State is actually. Mm-hmm. So I went up there, and you know, like, I'm it's a prize. I was a, a ride, and I'm driving. Um, and I'm just literally out of jail. Like this story I'm telling you, I don't think it ever happened to anybody in the, in the earth. So like, <laughs> like some of this, most of it is like all mostly divine. Um, but make a long story short, man, I was able to, you know, and I'm driving down there and I'm thinking like, like at that time I had built like a, like a mental toughness that like, it didn't matter if I like had been in the gym or not, like, I'm just going mentally out tough you, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I'm driving and I'm saying like, I know this is the only opportunity I have. I can go back to where I was just at, but that's not it for me. And this is the number one. Now listen, Roger State University, you can go look it up. Sporting News Magazine. I got it. I got it. Uh, uh, actually, uh, at the gym too. We're number one team in the whole country. So this is the number one NAIA Division One team in the whole country. The year before, they were thirty-three and two or thirty-three and one, something crazy like that. And they're like, "We want, we got a point guard. We're returning like a couple All Americans, and all these guys were all D one transfers. Like my roommate was transferred from Gonzaga. He got in trouble. Like everybody was like all transfers. Like it was like a real, real, real deal situation, right? So um, I went down there, man, and I literally played the best basketball uh, two hours that I ever played in my life. Like, I really made every shot. Like, I, I stole the ball. I was, like, playing. I said, Coach, dude, what you want me to do? He like, man, let me see you facilitate. What you want me to do? Score it. Hi, 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 hi. All seven. What you want me to score it again? All seven again. What you want? Like, I left up here and I drove back. And I'm, like, I'm just, like, in tears. Like, man, like, it's either going to work out or it ain't. And so, like, it must have been, like, a couple of days later, I'm back in jail. It must have been close to around the 21st day. Like I started that affirmations a couple of days after I got in there because he was able to take a couple books. And um, it must have been about on the 24th day. I got a, they told me I had a couple call, uh, like numbers that I was allowed to um, call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like list of my parents and a couple other people. And then my parents told me like, hey, the coach want to talk to you. So um, I called the number and bruh, they offered me a full ride scholarship while I was locked up in Nottaway County Jail in Orange's. Wow. Wow. 
and I, and I, so like you can't be oh, celebrating in jail. So like, I'm <laughs> the phone up, and I went back to my cell, like, like going crazy. So then, um, I had 60 days, like I told you. At 41 days, school started, so the school was going to overlap. So they allowed me to get out of school. I mean, get out of jail at 41 days. I went to school, like nothing, never. Like I went to North, I went to um, Roger State first day. The day before, I took my picture, my get my student ID, and I and I I can't find it re, re, like here recently. But I used to look at it like, bro, the day before this, I was in jail. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew, right? I mean, the coaches knew, right? And so, what ended up happening? Um, I went. I had a, a decent year, you know what I'm saying. But I had to go finish my 19 days after the season, and they allowed, allowed me to finish it down there in Oklahoma. Um, and, I, and we had a lot of injuries. We didn't pan out to be as good as uh, we we should have been. Um, and a lot happened with the team. But um, after that, I, I knocked out my days. Um, and then I got invited to go to a camp, you know. And uh, uh, I ended up coming back to Columbus and just was like, look, man, I'm about to try to get in the best shape of my life. Like, so I like... Now, I, now, over this time at Langston, when I was there living in the basement, I lived down there for four months in the gym. Did I tell y'all that, that I lived in there? Mm-hmm. So I lived in there until the president of the school found out about it and was like, it's like toxic fumes down there. It was like, not like a luxury locker room. This is like <laughs> metal lockers. It was like old washer and dryer over there that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? It was like that. And so... Um, I don't know if I was trying to prepare myself to be isolated or not, like subconsciously, but it didn't have walls. So every day I would hit the lights, it would take, I would feel all the way around the wall to get all the way back to where the futon was way back in the back. You know what I'm saying? Cause the lights at the beginning, when you first come into the locker room was where the, uh, where the lights was. And then where I was sleeping was like back around some corner in like this closet and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, that that helped me build a lot of mental toughness and learn how to be really comfortable in my own skin. And so, you know, I like people was like, bro, like later on, like year, like months later, like bro, we thought you was crazy. Like I never talked to people. I ate by myself. I didn't care what people thought. Like everybody was sorority fraternities. Like I'm like, bro, I'm not. I'm 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 going through it. So, uh, make a long story short, I had a good season, and then. Uh, I went to Roger State, and then we had an okay season. And then um, after that, though, I got a, a invited to this camp, and I just decided, like, I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. And I just started doing crazy, like, sprint workouts up at Lifetime Fitness here in Easton. And, like, trying to, like, basically, like, I'm going to die out here before I don't get what I'm trying to get. And um, – just decided like it was like 40 people invited to this camp and um uh, i went up there and just start pressing them everybody 94 feet so when i came in there people was windmilling hitting all these jumpers and like warming up and i'm just thinking like i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hang my hat on my cardio i'm just gonna outwork everybody in here so i'm gonna just start pressing everybody 94 feet every time they get the ball and then i stand out then you hit a couple jumpers to get rolling 
Man, it must have been uh, 48, 72 hours later, bro. I had a two-year contract on the, on the table. So then Man. what happened, they was able to allow me, because I was on probation, they was allowed me to grant a release to allow me to leave the country. And then uh, and then I went out there for a year and a half, and then uh, um, I tore my hip flexor. But that was a great experience. That bought me some time. I got to go from jail to now I get to fly and go to different countries. And that's all happened in a short amount of time. Like, I was just in jail a couple months ago, and I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm not even that good, bro. <laughs> we gotta keep going back to that i'm not that good okay so um it, it was real cool and then just from there man like it, just having the belief that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you know opportunities came to train and it even till now i'm waiting on my first flyer actually right now i've never put a flyer out before to train or to do <laughs> first promotion guy is supposed to be finishing this um so i'm i gotta camp in a couple of weeks that i'm gonna do but um so it's just been an organic thing man and um I'm, I, that's kind of like a backstory i know i got way off on a whole nother situation but a lot of people don't know that so it's oh, good man I, I think that that's even better than what we what we have planned i think you telling your story um is of utmost importance because you know a, I think it shows the uh, amount of dedication, you know, if, if you put into something to say, you know what, I messed up and I'm going to get myself out of it. I need to discipline. I need to change habits that 21 days. What are those habits are going to follow me the rest of my life? So I don't get back in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, because, you know, we go to church together, stuff like, you know, I had your back. He was like, I just need you to do your part. And I'll take care of everything else. For sure. You know, and, and he, you could just see his influence all through your life, brother. And, and uh, uh, man. Unbelievable. unbelievable. I I can't even, I can't even like uh, express how sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know how this got done. <laughs> all divine. And I don't even want to take credit for that, even at all. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, but I, I, I do have really good support and I have a lot of good people that um, yeah. uh, I try to stay around. So I think that's really the other the other trick to the whole thing, creating really good company. Absolutely. Well, we got one more question for you. Yeah. Before we sure. Go ahead, Coach Nighty. Yeah, yeah. And it, just quickly, just piggyback. And I think, you know, your, your story really kind of covers the questions we were going to ask anyway, because, you know, uh-huh. I think what your, your experience, you know, I, I think is going to be a great teacher for, you know, the young kids coming up. So I think that's, that's what they need to hear. So I think it's beautiful, but um, kind of switching gears a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, the constant theme on our show has just been just kind of like, you know, how things are just kind of evolving and developing and how things are kind of slightly changing. So, you know, just curious because, you know, the, the industry that you're in and development, just curious on your thoughts on, you know, high school players, you know, your elite high school players that are deciding to, you know, skip out on their senior season to go play in the G League. Or, you know, we've seen and I've seen, well, I've heard this mostly in college or, or football players have, you know, a lot, of this, a lot of them decided to skip their senior season, just prepare to go to Alabama or to Ohio State. But, mm-hmm. you know, just curious your thoughts on that since when, you know, yeah. you're in, you're in that world. 
Yeah, I think it's a little bit different with football because of the timing of when they graduate and when they spring, spring. Happen. Right. So, right. So you kind of got to get a jump on things um, with football. Um, with, with basketball, I really feel that um, – let's see, about the G League situation. I think if you are ready to make money, then you should go make the money. Um, the reason I say that is because you're only going to have a short amount of time to do it. Now, uh, it's real, it's real fine line. I think every person is, is up to each situation. But what I will say is that with the overtime league that they're doing with the 30 players, I'm all for that. They're giving mm-hmm. people hundred thousand plus a hundred thousand to go to school. That's like a no brainer. Yeah. You really can't like pass up on that. If that, if you're one of the 30 players, which is right. Okay. We're talking about elite of the elite elite. So like, right. All right. But now G league, I got mixed emotions because I don't know if it's a conspiracy that the G league is they're having these people go to this league that is almost like keeping them trapped because if you playing more than two years in the G league and you ain't got promoted up, you probably need to go play overseas and go get a real, some real money because they're, they're only paying you 40, 50, 60. Now they're going to pay the top player like green or, or like whoever else, like that comes from high school, they're going to give him that one or two guys and they might blah, 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 a couple guys so that they don't have to go to college. And they'll rather, if you know, you're going to be a lottery pick then yeah, but one thing that I know about college is it helps with your maturity off the floor. And so a lot of people are mature enough and their game has superseded their maturity. And now you get go to a house state or something like that and they treating you like you're in the league, but you're not getting no money. I mean, you do get money. I won't say you don't get money, but you, you're not getting life life-changing amount of money. So you sometimes need to take the process and enjoy the process of maturing socially, maturing your game, and so that you don't come out here and get caught up on drugs, sex, and alcohol. Because this is the main thing that people don't realize is the basketball is one thing, but the carryover, you can't get rid of the carryover, bro. Like, when I, if I, if I tell kids all the time, like, what's the very next thing you about to put into your body when you leave here? What's your first conversation you about to have after you leave a workout? Like, yeah, you got your work in. Okay, great. Who are you about to bounce your information off of? You're going to get on the phone and talk to somebody and they're going to tell you whatever and you're going to be influenced by them. So you got to make sure that everything that you do is a lifestyle. It's not like you can turn it on and off. And players think that they can turn it on. Like I could still be a little street and I can hoop. I can still blow and and do this and then drink and then it's not going to matter. Like, bro, it's going to catch up to you. So like, if you're going to double down and you're going to do five more extra suicides and then you're going to, maybe it ain't going to catch you as much, but it's going to catch you if you're doing some nonsense. And so the way I say the way, the big thing for me is the way you live your life is the way you play the game. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa. And the way you play the game is going to be where you live your life. So um, the great thing I love about basketball, I don't tell no lies. So if you ain't been working on your game, bro, it's going to show. If you ain't been working on your cardio, your jumper, your handle, or you ain't been talking and spending time with your teammate and you ain't going to be able to talk to him a certain type of way. So, like, 
it's going to give you what it gives back. And so, like, sometimes I feel like basketball players feel like that the game owe them something. The game don't owe you nothing. The game going to be here after you gone. It was here before you was here. You know what I mean? So, like, I think having a respect for your game in the game itself and then having a big respect for your opponents and, and appreciation of your opponents because without your opponents, you don't have a game. You know what I'm saying? But people don't really look at it in that way and they kind of like – all the game owe me some. I'm a hooper. Like, okay. And then when you don't turn out to be nothing from it, or don't have nothing tangible from it, it don't owe you nothing, though. So don't be mad at it. Don't be salty at the guys who did benefit from it. Just understand that. But know better, do better. Sometimes we don't know better and it's more difficult, you know. So I want to be that person that has a voice and continue to promote basketball but also let you know it's a slippery side to it too and it's ugly you know what I'm saying and nobody really say mention talk too much about that but I'm, I'm kind of for that piece but I, I kind of said all that and, I, and I'm for I'm for people creating opportunity and we live in America and it's capitalism so compete understand that but make sure you have the understanding of the business and make sure you have the understanding of if my game ain't tight enough, I need to do what's best for my game. And college is usually that route because they're not socially mature enough to handle having millions of dollars and even hundreds of thousands, to be honest. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Man, I... Lance, it was it's a pleasure having you on, man. It's well, so man, good. I hope I ain't go too long. I know everybody probably get everything in, man. I apologize. No, no, you're good. No, you're, you're good. good. I mean, like I said, I think your your testimony and your story it was fantastic, and you know, I, I think it, it just drives the point home. Really, just our overall theme of this podcast too, to to coach, you know, JP 3s uh, you know, message from before, like, you know, it's just not as it's not as surface level as people think. You know, because people just talk like, oh, this guy sucks or, oh, if I was making this amount of money and it's, it's just not that simple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and as to your point, you know, it, it's just there's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot yeah, we're gonna talk too. about. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about Naomi mm-hmm. Osaka a little later. There's a lot. There's a lot going on mentally. There's a lot going on physically. And, you know, I think we just want to shed a light on that and, and your testimony, you know, Cause you're and, and like you say, you're just one story of a million basketball players. Everybody has, you know, either a similar story, a worse story, or anything like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you know, it's just when you take all of that into account, you know, I think people just need to understand that, you know, it's it's a process. <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot that goes into it. Yeah, real, real process. And I I, I was going through this process with the with the gym and, and everything and, and building um up um my brand and things like that and I kind of want to um almost be like a revolutionary for basketball you know um and really like use the um influence and really like really talk about this other stuff you know what I'm saying so you know I don't want to be seeing kids thinking that this and that NBA NBA but you ain't really thought about are you really, well? Are you really gonna go th- make it through your thirties? Mm-hmm. Do you really think mm-hmm. you go from twenty four to thirty and basketball is gonna pay the bills for your lifestyle that you want? 
So don't don't tell me you're a pro and you're making fifteen hundred a, a month. Tell me you're a pro overseas. You might as well go work somewhere or somewhere else and go get ready for this real life because that's 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 not that's not uh, going to be suffice to be able to have a family and whatnot. You know? So um, giving up hoop dreams, bro, is tough. And you know <laughs> about. I'm telling you, bro, it's tough. The hardest thing about, um, you know, having money when it comes to the highest level of players, man, is um, who you're going to take with you and who you're going to leave behind. You know, anybody talking about, like, how you was riding and dying and none of that. Now you got millions of your guys sitting over here with the same lint in his pockets, and then and then he's supposed to come along and do what? And it's kind of it gets real hard, you know, um, trying to trying to have millions of dollars and your family don't really have much. And what 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 to do was right and what not to do. And so I just want to really just give people those those gems on the court. I'm for the court. I am about that. I'm a detailed guy on the court, but I really it's really about this this lifestyle thing and how we can be better men and women. Absolutely. Hey, you guys don't. You guys don't mind. I just I did want to ask one question because I know you say you went to Mount Vernon Academy. Uh, did you know David Daniels? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is he our age? He. I'm 34. He's a little bit. He's a little bit older. He. Uh, he was the principal at my at my high school, but he went to Mount Vernon Academy. I actually went to Mount Vernon Nazarene. Oh uh, really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, hold on though. So he was a teacher. I want to say he was like the headmaster. That's what I think. I think. I, I, think the first, but I know. I know you talk. It's a small world. So Kenny uh-huh. or Coach K, my dad, who taught me how to play soccer, taught Lance how to play uh-huh. soccer. He coached David Daniels when he was when he was a kid. Oh, you gotta be kidding me, man! <laughs> Crazy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but he said his name. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, because he's man, a- that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How'd you like Mount Vernon? Huh? How'd you like? Oh, how'd you like Mount Vernon and Nazarene? Oh man, it. I I appreciate the experience that I had, but I kind of wish <laughs> I kind of wish I would have went to another school, man. For, you know, but I I know like Mount Vernon was probably good for me because I I couldn't have handled going to a um like a bigger school, just yeah. just my me person my personality. I yeah. I knew I knew what I needed, so right, right. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Mount Vernon days, yeah. James, <laughs> why did you never come? <laughs> like, okay, so oh, yeah, Jane, yeah. pretty much half of the youth in our church ended up going to Mount Vernon Academy. And <laughs> I even went on a, a little tour and everything. And I, I checked out the facilities. And I just knew, deep down in my heart, that it wasn't what I needed. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready for <laughs> my life. No, really? Yeah. This is this is too much freedom at too young of an age for me. And I was like, I'm I'm gonna get in trouble here. <laughs> we down there, uh, they started creating rules and everything. We was down there cutting up. <laughs> 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 
No. Uh, me, Marcus, and Demi, and uh, Adam, Andrew, all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. not, and not like cutting up too bad, but we was we just had a good time. Yeah. 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 Y'all were sorely missed, though. I miss y'all. Uh, you know, <laughs> literally, it was just me and James and like Jonathan at church. Like, that was it. Like, everybody <laughs> else is at Mount Verde. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, nah. Y'all should have went that one that first year. Y'all would have liked it. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I just knew everybody else was a year older than me. I'm like, y'all not about to have me down here junior in my senior year by myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm getting up out of here. I seen the writing on the wall. Yeah. And me and Marcus still talk about that uh, even now because um, I kind of coerced him into going. And um, he was a real good athlete. And then mm -hmm. I ended up dipping on them. I ended up dipping on everybody to go to Afrocentric. So they was like, <laughs> like, man, I had to do what I had to do, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was really good, really good experience going away and living in dorms and kind of not being too far, but really kind of been on your own at 15 and a half, 16. It was good for me. But then I needed a little bit high back, high back on. I need my dukes. I need to, need to get past mm -hmm. my more than I was able to get on my own for good. Yeah, for a man. Yeah, Appreciate y'all, man. For real, mm -hmm. bro. For having me. I don't know. I know it's probably an hour segment, and I'm on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nothing wrong with good, that, brother. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah. um, hoops by nature on Instagram. Hoopsbynature.com. Yeah. Uh, Lance Sullivan, CEO of Hoops by Nature, America's first technology advanced um, basketball circuit. Uh, so you can find all the information that you need. Um, on those sources, hit them up, check them out, and can't wait to come through and check the facility out, brother. Yeah, for sure. Anytime y'all welcome. Um, we got a camp coming up on the June 14th through July 16th. Uh, I mean, July 15th. So the 14th through the uh, the next month, four weeks long. Um, it will be for like um, fourth, third, fourth grade, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we're going to talk a little, introduce them a little bit about business. Obviously, they're a little young, but kind of get them to start thinking about that and goal settings and things like that. But uh, Jim Clemens and Tamika Brown and uh, Langston Cook, a really good staff. So, yeah, anybody y'all know that's around that age for the week after next, yeah, have them come out, sign up and whatnot. Awesome, bro. Well, thank you for stepping to the coach's box and we'll catch yeah. up with you soon, bro. All right, all right, family. I appreciate y'all. Y'all enjoy it. All right, y'all take care. All right, be proud of you, brother. All right, peace. Peace. Man, that was great catching up. What? <laughs> I know I haven't seen Lance in a bit of it. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's dope. That's dope. I mean, it, I think it's true. You talked about uh, he talked about the people that um, are with you. Some you you need to drop, and some are going to stay with you. But what, what right. happens? Um, right. in that process. And that's, you know, as, I think as hard on LeBron as a lot of us are when it comes to basketball stuff, I think the way that he moved where he's like, you know what, I trust these people and I'm not just going to have them hanging around me, right? Mm -hmm. You're, I'm going to make sure that you get connected to do something for yourself, right? You yeah. the skill set that you have. And so he kept his network very close to him. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that's something that a lot of people can learn from. Um, is that I'm sure that he had people that he had to tell no to, mm -hmm. but he had his folks and he kept them close and, and made sure that they were able to do something productive and have careers of their own. Um, so, you know, speaking of LeBron and so we got a lot of playoffs going on. 
And we got a lot of drama going on. I sure do. And so Coach Los Angeles. <laughs> City of Los Angeles. Man, City of Los Angeles. Man. Man, you know, uh, I'm so glad you brought up LeBron because, you know, he's uh, – you know, I mean, you mentioned how, he, you know, he's um, – brought people on, you know, especially people that are close with him. Uh, man. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing, you know. And the, the number one thing I wanted to talk about since, you know, we're probably going to see some some rosters changed around because, you know, one thing about the, the series, I mean, the Lakers series that actually really showed me that LeBron needs more help. I mean, that is one thing that's been identified by, you know, uh, just about – that's what the narrative is, is, you know, now that he's older, he needs, uh, uh, you know, better players around him, you know. I mean, cause, I mean, he is the GOAT, but he needs more – he needs more talented people around him, uh, as if, you know, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Anthony Davis. I, I'm not – Marcus Saw, bro. Marcus Saw is – yeah, he's about that. Montrezl, you know, <clears throat> but you know, I, <clears throat> I don't know, man. It, you know, it, it just, I'm, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> sick of this narrative, man. I'm really sick of this narrative. I'm really sick of, about people who. You know, all these blind sheep that follow LeBron that say, oh, you know, he's older, he needs more. No, he doesn't need – he he at least could have made it to the uh, – at least could have got to the next round. Come on, we're talking about the Suns. Can't no – you tell me – can't – and he's the best player on the team. How come he's not picking up Devin Booker? I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I just say that the best players lead by example. LeBron's not a leader. Uh, <laughs> never <laughs> – I mean, this this I mean, passive... okay for like ninety percent of what they said, and then he'd be like, you know what, LeBron's not leader. I'm like, man, I'm about to get struck by lightning, man. Look, I don't care, man. People need to hear the truth, man. I mean, it's I don't know, like you know, I saw a video of Kuzma. I mean, LeBron was calling for the ball like close to the basket, and like I see, you know, LeBron just. Kuzma, I don't know what kind of shot he was trying to throw up, but, you know, LeBron, just like you can tell just like him walking out on his team, um, you know, game five. And then, you know, now, like, I mean, LeBron quit on his team. Like no good leader that I know ever quits on their team unless, you know, of course they deserve it. But, you know, they – they he he has such a passive aggressive way of leading like it, it's just it's just so annoying i mean like talk, like all the talk about you know doing the trade to you know um you know, talk about trading Dennis Schroeder and a whole bunch, you know and other people to get uh Kyle Lowry you know so i mean you can't blame Dennis Schroeder for you know feeling <clears throat> You know, feeling how he feels, or you know, I mean, yeah, you can definitely blame him for like how he played, but you know, a lot of that is, I feel like this mental manipulation that I think goes on that LeBron tries to do through, you know, trade talks and whatever, whatnot to to get what he wants. And you know, he, I mean, I, I forget it was, uh, I think Natty, I think you said that, uh, you know, they ended up keeping. Somebody mentioned that 
you know, they got rid of uh, Brandon Ingram. <clears throat> I mean, you can't you can't complain now. I mean, you see you see what Lonzo's doing now too. So I mean, you can't complain. You got what you wanted. You traded every person on on the Lakers team uh, to get Anthony Davis, and you get all the problems that come along with it. So right. I mean, which we know, which we already know, yeah. right? So I'm just I'm just I'm LeBron. I'm just asking you to accept responsibility. You know, I mean, just this is only this is only you just as much as it's on Frank Vogel for Frank Vogel. I don't know. He needs to be out of there. Um, but it's, it's, it's just as on you and just as it is everybody else. Like not you. You have no heart, bro. You have no heart. It's not your old age. I know he can still play. He's a top five, top five player in the NBA. Come on, man. That's my yeah, so that's my like rant. Coach K, huh? Yeah, that's um somebody else I've been watching too. I mean, everybody knows that I follow. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I usually rant on KD, but uh, I got I got some other trash that needs sorted out. Um, I'm sorry, not trash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got some other uh, filth that needs sorted out. Um, this yeah. whole. <laughs> <laughs> it's semantics. It's man, I'm just like, man, I I'm so tired. Of, I'm so tired of watching Kawhi, man. Like <laughs> you know, this this man is not a top five player in the NBA. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. They say he's a two-way player. Can't nobody on team shut down uh Luca. Um and I mean it's just it's just sad to see, you know. And uh <laughs> The thing that makes it even worse is, uh, you know, you got somebody posing as a coach who can't even call a play. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like – I, I want to say that Kawhi was like – so I don't, I don't know if it was like a Kawhi player, Ty Lue even called it, but Kawhi hadn't been hitting any three. He maybe hit one three like the, the entire game. Why is he taking the last shot? I don't know. I don't get that. You know, and uh, Paul George continues to be a disappointment. And uh, I think he needs to be sent down to the G League. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm about to change his name to Broken Promises because he he's never lived up to any type of expectation ever. Um <laughs> Yeah. You are all one today, bro. Yeah. You are, yeah. You are fed up. You are fed I'm up. Fe- I'm fed up. I'm fed up. And I'm also, and we kind of talked about the group chat, but I'm also fed up with uh this narrative that everybody that you have to give your heart and soul, you know, to the game of basketball. I mean, if you hurt, you hurt, bro. Like I, I don't I don't want to see MB try to try to play through try to play through anything, especially if he has a torn, like, a slight, it doesn't matter how big the tear is in his meniscus. Same thing with uh, AD. AD never should have been out there. I mean, for what? For a first-round playoff win, you already have a championship. Like, you've done what you need to do. So, and I don't know, I think don't sacrifice, you know, your future years on your career because there's still more money to be made. There's still more games to be played. And this year, I mean, this year is I, bl- I blame it on the the NBA screwing up the NBA. So. 
we'll get into that some future yeah. shows for sure. Yeah, that's that's good good takes, Coach K. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see if the if the paper clips can stay afloat, afloat, you know, playing tonight, and or is Luca Luca and the Mavs gonna take him out? So we'll see. I don't know. There's another pandemic P too. I don't know what happened to Porzingis, but he's he's a new pandemic P. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely not the not the number two guy that they signed. Right, you know, definitely and, not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, so you had you had your uh, your your rant and everything. I, I'm going to get into a very quick one here. I, I know we're we're short on time, so I'm, I'm please. Gonna you know, I put into the chat this week that the Portland Trailblazers like just frustrate me. And I know, you know, people talk they're a snake bitten franchise, you know, Bill Walton, Sam Bowie, Brandon Roy, Greg Oden. I get it, okay? I get it. That that's more than what happens to most franchises. To this, you know, for all that to happen to the same team that's 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 pretty horrible but now you have no excuse right because you are though you're a small market team you need to handle your situation with care because you have a a player in Damian Lillard who is loyal to you who's not doesn't bring any drama that is a good team player because I tell you, after 55 points, and we lost because y'all couldn't put the ball in the basket and Robert Covington can't dunk the ball, missed two dunks in the game. CJ McCollum, I tell you, the court awareness of, of this generation is not, is not there. It's not there. People step out of bounds at least once a game, especially on the side, or the three-point side. Why are you with only a couple feet between the three-point line and the sideline doing a step-back move? You know, you know, to gain momentum to prepare yourself. I know you need to do that to prepare yourself forward. Don't do that. That's you don't have enough real estate for that. Court awareness. Okay, that was huge in that game. So he's a good teammate. He's loyal. He is ridiculously talented. He's the only reason why your franchise is even relevant right now. All of these things put together, you have you hit the jackpot, and he's been there for what nine years. And you haven't been able to deliver him a team that is remotely close to championship contention. You're 0-10 against the Warriors throughout his time. He's been bounced out. You know, they've been bounced out in the playoffs with three out of the last four years. First round playoff exit. So I'm looking at the Trailblazers franchise. They're not a horrible front office. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be hyperbolic. But what I am going to say is if you can't get a team together that is comparative, if you can't pry Carl Anthony Towns away from Minnesota, if you can't pry Draymond Green away from Golden State to get your defensive game up, it doesn't matter what Damian Lillard does. You're not going to win because the weakness is their defense and Terry Stott does not know how to coach defense. He's made that abundantly clear and the evidence that we've seen during his tenure in Portland. So if I'm Portland, I'm thinking about where do my loyalties, forget Damian Lillard's loyalties, where do my loyalties lie? Do they lie to Damian or do they lie to Terry? 
you have to be able to make that decision. Because if you're not going to bring in a coaching staff that can complement Terry Stott's talent to bring in defensive, you know, swagger, if you can't get the personnel needed to complement Damian Lewis, then Damian's wasting his time and he's just going to eventually leave you. So you got to think about where your loyalties lie. Uh, I am so sick of seeing him waste his time, waste his talent, waste his career in Portland because they keep putting the same type of stuff together and expecting different results. It's not going to work. And that, that's the definition of insanity, right? It's not going to work. And, and trying to sign one old star and replace him with another old star the next year, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't even get a big to save your life on a team. Nurkic. You go on Jokic, I get it. He's MVP. He's worth at least three fouls a game because he's so good. You're probably going to foul him at least three times throughout the course of the game. Yep. That means that you have to have the wherewithal to say, I'm not going to pick up any cheap fouls on anything else outside of Jokic. What do you do? Fouls out the game. Fouls out the game over stupid stuff. Now you're on the bench. You have no big. Enos Cantor's over here trying to guard Jokic. He ain't built for that life. And I know you ain't either, but at least you got an offensive game, or at least we thought you did. <laughs> but you can't even do that. So if Damian Lillard leaves, I don't blame him. Not one bit. But if the Blazers are at a really crossroads point, because for him to put out that, you know, quote unquote cryptic, cryptic Instagram post, he still has loyalty, but he's coming across to a different part of the spectrum that he hasn't been for. So that means that this, this moment's more critical for the franchise. They have a decide, decision to make. Where do they, where do their loyalties lie? Portland, I ask you that now. Hey, so, I'm done with my ring. Hey, same, same thing with uh, the, uh, Bradley be on the Washington Wizards too. Yes. I'm sick of it. Yes. Tired. Wasting Bradley's time. Wasting his time. Yeah. And I know that these small market teams have a little bit more trouble getting these big stars to come in, but you're going to have to do something because you can't keep rolling out the same, the same players, same type of players and expect to win a championship. Eventually the star is going to get fed up just like LeBron did, just like KD did. So, uh, I had to get that out. That, it was just hard to watch. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Y'all know my opinions on those two. Yes. We already know your boy Giannis has got it on lock, bro. I mean, listen, I'll... (laughs) I said, I don't hate Giannis. I know he's on my trash team. I don't hate him contrary to belief, but... I put them on there because if you're telling me, again, like I said in the group chat, if you're telling me if people are going to vote him MVP and defensive player in the same season, only two other people have done that, Michael Jordan and King. I don't want to hear, oh, Giannis is playing great in the first round. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. He better beat the Brooklyn Nets too because they suck on defense. Mm-hmm. I always, I always use Allen Iverson as my example. 
Because if dude is six feet tall with his shoes on, mm-hmm. 165 pounds soaking wet, and that is by far the worst finals team in NBA history. I'll yeah. wait <laughs> if you want to name a worse one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he actually won a game against an undisputed, one of the greatest, not only dynasties, but duos. They may not be the greatest, but everybody can agree that they are one of the best ever. Yes. Dude won a game. And you're telling me you can't get to a finals? You go up 2-0 and lose four straight games? Mm-hmm. Last year, I know mm-hmm. it's the bubble. You lose 4-1 in the conference semifinals? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be that good? That's what you're telling me. I need to see it. Show it to me. And that's, it. that's my perspective on him. I, I, I just need to see it. Because well, if you're that seen. good, you should be getting to the finals. Minimum. Minimum. Bare minimum. That's it. People forget what Iverson had to go through just to get to the final, right? He had to be, you know, a Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson led Milwaukee Bucks, Vince Carter in his prime, Raptors. And that, that's just two of the teams that he had to face. Um, I forget. I, I forget the third, but he had to he had to face those two teams just to get to the final. Still got a game. Still got a game. Yeah, I, this 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 season is huge for legacies, and with, with LeBron and the Lakers out of the way, like I I'm looking like yo, Kawhi, yo, Giannis, yo, like mm. oh no, oh oh, kind of got add, it. Add Brooklyn side. to that too. Add Brooklyn, Brooklyn to that too. KD, Harden, Kyrie, the legacies are on the line. Right? You have no, you have the, the the king has been dethroned this season, so. The throne is up for grabs for this season. Who's going to take it? Man, if KD takes the throne, bro, I'm 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 like not watching the NBA <laughs> ever again. I mean, look at it like Embiid with his health issues. That really takes the Sixers out of contention, especially if it continues to be a, a long term, a nagging thing where he's not able to do his thing. Like that takes Philly out. The Joker, I mean, he's balling out of control right now, but without Jamal Murray, you would think a team that's loaded would be able to take them out in a series. So really, this is the perfect the perfect ingredients for a season for a player like Giannis, a player like KD, Kyrie Harden, a player like Kyrie, Paul George, to take the mantle right now. Man. It's literally carved out for you in storybook fashion. That's all I'm saying. But you can't beat Luca and the Lukettes? You can't beat them? <laughs> I don't even know if they're worthy of being called the Lukettes. I, I just know in the that they're in the background and they can't play defense. The team is a horrible <laughs> defensive team. And the Clippers can't even put up the points that they should be putting up against them. They can't, they can't stop them. Two of the best wing players supposedly, in the lead since Jordan and Pippen is what they said, right? But you can't stop them. Okay. And you can't stop any, any of the other people around them either. And they need to. Okay. You know, Giannis, you got Atlanta and Brooklyn left? 
Now, Brooklyn, that would, that's a, that would be a great series, but you've beaten them two out of the three times. But the Eastern Conference, it's kind of made for, for that, for you to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals at the very least. And with your new squad and Brooklyn not being good at defense, you should be able to get something. Um, now, if Giannis gets and makes it like a seven-game series and they happen to get edged out by Brooklyn, I'm not going to hold that against them, most likely. I probably won't. Right. I will. If it's a, long, if it's a knockdown, drag-out fight, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like I said, like two years ago against against Toronto, I know Kawhi was basically a hired gun for Toronto, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, it's gotta go seven. You can't lose four straight games after going up 2-0. You can't do that if you're telling me he's that good. You yes. can't, I don't care if it's the bubble. You can't lose to Miami 4-1 if you're that good. If you're MVP and defensive player in the same season. You can't Brooklyn do and four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brooklyn and four. But <laughs> you're saying Brooklyn going to sweep them. Brooklyn and four, yeah. I, wow. Well, see, the thing is, so I guess, well, let's just get into it. So we'll start with that one. I think, obviously, whoever wins this series should go to the NBA mm-hmm. Finals. And, and be the champion. Should, should. I'm picking Brooklyn because, again, it's for me, it's about Giannis. I don't trust him. Because, again, like we, we talked about it a little bit earlier in, in our group chat. Like, because for me, the Miami series – as much as they won and they played well, I thought they, they were hot from three, especially from games two, three, and four. Incredibly mm-hmm. hot. So he didn't really have to do much. Mm-hmm. They were already, you know, by the third end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, they were already up by double digits. So it's just kind of maintaining that, right? But the problem, again, for me, game one, and I know they won the game, but game one, if you're telling me he's that good, that game shouldn't be going into overtime, dude. How do you get a 10-second runoff on a free throw, bro? <laughs> and dude didn't score a point. Only scored, he scored two points in the fourth quarter, and he had two free throws in, in overtime. That's it. I will say he did have a respectable, I mean, average that series. No, I'm but also, I mean, yes, he did. But again, I'm just saying when it came down to it, when the game was tight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton brought them home. Yes. And they're good players. And I love – and I, especially the Drew Holiday edition. I really love that. But if the Bucks are going to go anywhere, it has to be honest. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't expect Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to beat KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. Giannis, you need to be that guy. They suck on defense. They got Blake Griffin guarding you. You need to be – like he like he needs to be averaging no less than like 30 points and like 20 rebounds. Because who's gonna stop you based on how you play in the regular season? Who's gonna stop you? So if he's walking around with that dumb look on his face, not knowing what to do, when he does when when he when he gets into the plane, uh, he does that same spin move and then they block him, and then he gets that dumb look on his face, like what am I supposed to do? I don't want to see that. Figure it out. You're supposed to be that good. Figure it out and get to the finals and win. That's all I got to say. But with all that being said, until he proves to me that he can do that consistently when it's time in the playoffs, when money time comes, 
I'm going to pick the Brooklyn Nets because as much as people may hate KD, I've seen him do it. I've yeah. seen Kyrie hit a shot in the finals with LeBron on his team and have a 40-point game in a must-win game five. Mm-hmm. James Harden, a little bit more of a question mark. But with those two at his side, yeah, but I think he looks pretty good. He's basically he, their point. Yeah, guy. he does look good. Like, I, so, James Harden, yeah. So, Giannis, you need to figure it out. Because if you're if Milwaukee's going to – because matchup-wise, they have continuity. They play defense really well. They should rebound the basketball very well. Lance just said, if you're – you look at the box score, most likely a team that plays defense and probably rebounds the most, it's probably going to win. Mm-hmm. If you all those boxes are checked for Milwaukee, but you know what? The biggest box ain't checked for Milwaukee. Who's going to bring you home consistently? Mm-hmm. It can't be Chris Middleton and it can't be Drew Holiday. It needs to be Giannis. Yeah. And they can't depend on those guys. Trust every game. Him. Yeah. I don't trust him. He's your superstar. And I don't trust him. So until that, I'm going to pick Brooklyn and sit. I think when Middleton made that game winner, um, and I have a lot of respect for him in his game because I think he's a really good player. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you can't rely on that dude to do that every game. You All can't, the time, yeah. Yeah, you can't, you know, Drew Holiday, I mean, he's not like a huge shot maker, but he's a good facilitator. He's good on defense, yeah. and he can make timely shots. But yeah. you can't depend on that against these upper echelons. And you see your point, Coach, Matt, if you like, you know, so – when you are in regular season and when you are facing these not as talented teams, you can get away with Giannis like, man, I had a really bad fourth quarter. But, yep, we still got the dub. That's cool. You're not going to get away with that in the playoffs. You're not going to get away with that. And you talk about how tight the moment gets. You can't afford to be tight when the moment gets tight. And that's what that free throw situation told me. When, when he's airballing free throws – when he's doing 10-second runoffs when the game gets tight, that tells me your mentality. And when I see that over the course of several games, it gives us cause to pause. Like, like, yo, like, are you saying that if you get to the pinnacle of the game and you got to make a play that you ain't going to make it? And not just a shot, but you're not going to be able to make the play in general. Mm-hmm. And teams are going to be able to foul you late in games, and you're not going to be able to even get a free throw off, let alone make one. Because you're that it's got you mentally. So like that, that, that really, really, really worries me about him because he is so talented. And we talk about how he hasn't evolved as much as he should have, which is true. You know, which is true. But he has enough that he can be, you know, as long as the others play, you know, solid basketball, he should be able to at least get to the finals this year. Because you're dealing with a team, though, they have three killers on their team. They really haven't played together that much. I mean, when a team loses to Boston with only Jason Tatum, right, I, I think there's there's a hole there that you need to take advantage of. When you got these guys that are injury prone, heart, like you said, Harden hasn't proven himself at that level yet. Like, you got an opening. Because who's to say next year, Brooklyn stays together, especially if they make it to the finals or win the finals. These guys get healthier because they get more rest next time going into the next season. 
who's to say that window's still going to be open for you if you're Giannis? Who's to say that window's still going to be open for you if you're Kawhi? Because Balmer, with his pockets, he, he don't mind blowing the team up. Mm-hmm. When you got it like that, he's like, you know what? This ain't working. One of y'all got to go. We got to bring in someone else in here to do this. So, yeah, that's – and we talked about it, that the scapegoats, the paperclip scapegoats, Doc Rivers, Lou Williams. Montrez. Montrez Harrell. Rondo. Rondo's going to be the one. Well, he's going to be one, yeah. He's going to be one, yeah. Yeah, Lou Will's still playing. Doc Rivers' team's still playing. <laughs> Montrez just got bounced out of the playoffs yesterday, and that's because they barely even played the man. So he really didn't have a lot of lot to do with them losing. But you having trouble guarding Luca and the Lukets. Don't I, okay. Let me get off of that. Um, so we got that. I mean, if Embiid is not healthy, this Atlanta series becomes pretty interesting. I got Atlanta. That's all I gotta say. Ooh. Yeah. I say Atlanta. Um <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Joel Embiid, similar to AD, I don't think he has – He's. I don't want to say he's soft because he's not soft. I just don't know if he has a high threshold for pain. Mm-hmm. And it's going to bother him. And then he needs to be 100% for Philly to go to the Eastern Conference Finals or go to the Finals. So if he's not, they're basically – I don't know where their offense is going to come from. So that's why I got Atlanta. Atlanta in six. But if Joel so, miraculously is healthy, you know, I would pick Philly. But simply because of his injury, I'm going to Atlanta in six. Because this is really going to put a lot of pressure on Tobias Harris to be able to simply – I mean, he's, he's a bucket, you know, but can he do enough for them to win? Yeah. With, with Ben Simmons not being able to give much to you all. That's, that's, that's the thing, too, is just like – so are you making – are you making Tobias Harris the leader of the team? Or are you looking – looking at Ben Simmons. I mean, leader of the offense will still have to be Ben Simmons, but your leading yeah. scores will have to be Tobias. Yeah. He's going to have to shoot a lot of threes, basically. I'm just yeah. – <clears throat> um, kind of like Giannis. Like, I don't know if I've seen it. I mean, I guess, I guess you know, he's, he's played enough to, to be the, you know – Best defensive player in the NBA, but I'll, I'll, again, I'll, Ben Simmons is another person. Like I haven't really seen the evolution to his game enough to to really say like y'all, yeah, I can. Yeah, no, that's true. And he's a heck of a defender yeah. and a heck of a distributor. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. I don't know, like what. I, I don't know, man. I think the thing that I like about the Hawks is I feel like at least Trey Young has developed an edge to him. So I mean, mm-hmm. he said something like when he when he hit that shot, hit that three, and then took a bow in Madison Madison Square Garden. I was like, oh okay, like yeah. he's here. <laughs> Start rubbing his shoulders like ice tray, like it's cold in here. Yeah. I, was, I like that. I like that. Same yeah. thing with Devin yeah. Booker. Like I love when players do that. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, this is my moment. I finally get my moment. I'm gonna take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's yeah, and I mean, I think for that very reason, like he's gonna be a stone cold killer. So 
Um, I gotta go with the Hawks. Okay, I, if Embiid can't can't go or is a shell of himself, and you know has to keep leaving the game and coming, you know, and stuff like that, Atlanta will win that series. Um, I give Philadelphia the advantage that Philadelphia has is that they're a team of veterans that could make it difficult for a young team that's not experienced in this capacity, make it a little bit difficult for them to do it. It's just, I don't know if they're going to be able to produce enough offense to keep up once Atlanta figures it out because they may be new to the game, but Nate McMillan isn't. So like it's, it's going to be one of those things that, I think Philadelphia is going to have a valiant effort even without MB, maybe even get a game. Uh, but they won't have enough to beat them four times, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll see. This is all on MB's health and productivity. So we got that series. We talked about the, the, the Nets and Bucks. Now, you know, interesting enough, um, you know, you got Utah is going to face the winner of the Mavericks. Uh, Clippers series so I I have like two different outcomes for this one if the paper clips find a way to get out of this series I actually think they would beat Utah uh, it's a really bad matchup for Utah it's a really bad matchup because Utah and, and this is historically hasn't been able to really have great wing players so if your weakness is your wing and then you have two talented wings on the other end, that, that's going to be a matchup nightmare for them. Um, I mean, because Gobert isn't an offensive big man, so it's hard to say that that's a huge advantage. He's good at defense, but he's not going to put up a lot of points on the board. So really you're going to be asking Donovan Mitchell, and you know, Conley's not 100% healthy either, so you're asking them to keep up um, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and stuff. And, and though we, we said a lot about them in the last, you know, part here against Utah, I think changes that whole dynamic too. Um, so I, I, if, if, um, but if Dallas ends up going, I have Utah winning. I think Utah is better built to play a team like Dallas because Dallas is pretty much a one man show um, with some special appearances. You know, so when you have that type of team on the other end, I think Utah being a very disciplined team that is good defensively and can put up points against a team who is very inconsistent, I think Utah gets that point. So what what, what are y'all thinking about either one of those? Uh, We'll start with you, Coach Nighty. I have the same thing you do. Um, Because it it just comes down to the matchups. But it's just this ridiculous – Paper Clips Mav series is just so bizarre that it's just I can't I, I don't even want to make a prediction because I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Even if the Clippers win tonight, I have no idea what's going to happen in Game Seven on Sunday because I don't know what Clippers team you're going to get. <laughs> and then on the Mav side, it's just. Luca's going to do his thing, but, you know, are they going to hit shots? They're not going to hit shots. I have no idea. So I, I pretty much have the same, I have the same thought process as you in terms of the matchups in the next round. So, yeah. What about you, Coach K? Um, I got the Clippers. I, no, no, no. Sorry. 
Yeah, I got the Clippers losing. I I don't know. I'm just – I just don't trust them. They, they are They're exhausting. very exhausting. Yeah, very exhausting. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kinda I'm kinda just done and over with the series. Like if anything, I'm just more excited more excited to see Luca, but mm-hmm. um I think if they don't get him tonight, I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a close out. It'll definitely be a close out on uh game seven. So if you have the Mavs, Mavs. going to play Utah, do you think the Mavs can keep up with Utah or do you think Utah's going to win that one? I think Utah will probably win that one. Just there's – it's too inconsistent. Like you, you, don't, you don't know what Mavericks team is going to show up. So – and that's the thing. Without a strong secondary, you know, scoring option um, – which you don't know if it could be Tim Hardaway one day or who knows, maybe KP might have a 20-point night. But uh, it's too inconsistent. And even then, like, I wouldn't – I still wouldn't – I still wouldn't pick <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. as your second scoring option. Nah. Um, yeah, he can't be your number two you if you're making it this far. He, he can't be your number two. Uh, no, he can't. Uh, now, this series, I'm really anxious to watch. Uh, Denver and Phoenix, Like, I think that's going to be a really dope series. In my opinion, you know, Devin Booker is Devin Booker. And as he talked about after the game, kind of uh, feeling the presence of Kobe Bryant, you know, having someone, you know, being someone that he looked up to that he worked out with, uh, that was a mentor to him and kind of channeling that energy. Um, that was on full display last night. It, there's no debate about that. But I actually think the most, imp- the most critical person in that series, this may surprise people, is DeAndre Ayton. So I know Chris Paul's health is, you know, kind of up and down, but we watched DeAndre Ayton pretty much do kind of what he wanted to do in this last series against the Lakers. Um, he was very efficient and very effective. Yeah. But I saw some, some moments of hesitancy. I saw some moments of just his lack of experience showing up at that stage, though he played well. And when your assignment goes from the Andre Drummonds of the world and a 75% Anthony Davis to the probable MVP in Jokic, it's going to call for you to channel something that you haven't brought to the game before, offensively and defensively. Because now you have to worry about his offensive prowess you're going to have to try to produce and you're going to have to try to defend that and keep yourself in the game. We saw Nurkic couldn't even stay in the game. So I think he's the most pivotal player in the series. Um, it's, it's hard to go against Denver um, with Michael Porter Jr. Jr. just kind of stepping up and saying, I got this. Don't worry, Jamal Murray, I got this. Uh, I'm going to go with my heart here and I'm going to say 
Phoenix will win this series as long as Chris Paul is healthy and DeAndre Ayton plays well. Because I know Devin Booker will. Uh, I think this will be a long series. I can see this going seven games. Uh, but Phoenix, I can see edging it out in, in a seven-game series. Uh, so, Coach K, who do you have in this series? I pretty much agree with what you said. Um, I think this series is also going to depend on uh, Chris Paul's health because they're definitely going to need every piece of him. Um, I think I think he can get – I think he can mentally um, – I think it's going to come down to a mental game too, and I think I would probably give the mental edge – to the Suns uh, just because um, I'm coming off of, you know, bouncing LeBron in the first round, but also um, just having all that experience of Chris Paul. And, like, I don't know if you, I don't know if, uh, if you guys saw that video, like, just, like, Chris Paul, just, like, after they won, um, won the closeout game, it was just, like, you know, the speech he gave, gave the team and everything. And I think having that is – uh, just as important as, you know, Aiden showing up, Booker showing up. Um, but I think having that, just having that mindset, you know, we, we hear about Mamba mentality all the time. And I think, I think Chris Ball has been through enough to, I think he, I, he's just, every team he's been, I think this is the most talented team I think he's been on as far as like, you know, teams he's just been thrown on. And I think that I think he's going to be able to get the Suns to a place mentally to get to a place where they can do more than than what they actually think they can. Mm. So, um, not not taking away any frame thing from like Michael Porter Jr. or you know like you know what Jokic has been able to do this year, but I just I don't know. I just I'm I'm more so going with my heart and what I think is going to happen. So I think it's I think it's time for Chris Paul to. I think I think we're going to see the Suns in the uh, NBA championship. So I'm taking them. I'm riding them out into the sunset. <laughs> nice, nice. That's a good thing, Coach. Okay, Coach Nanti, who do you have in this series? Uh, I have Denver. I would like to. I would like the Suns to win. I know. I just think uh, you touched on it a little bit. Um. Even though Jamal Murray is not there, I think this series, the inexperience of the rest of the Suns will show through a bit more. Because as much as I get, I'll go real quick on this, this portion, because I don't want to take away from the Suns, but I guess I am. Um, the Lakers really were a shell of themselves all season. Mm-hmm. Um to Coach K's point, the narrative around LeBron and AD, I think – best way I want to put this. What people are saying as far as blaming AD's injury for them losing is right. I think the perspective is wrong. I think AD is the Lakers' best player. Yes, mm-hmm. I said that. Mm-hmm. I think AD was the MVP of the playoffs last year for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I think AD was the MVP of the finals last year for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And 
what it allowed LeBron to do is pick his spots because AD did the heavy lifting. I think the layoff last year benefited AD more than it did LeBron. Oh, okay. Because he's the one that's injury prone? Because he's, he's only played, he's played what, 72 games twice in his nine years in the league. The rest of them, 55, 64, 63, 54, 33 this year, 37 last year. Of course, mm-hmm. the break happened. So with him being out, that the Suns did what they had to do. They stomped on their neck. So I love that mentality, and that's a growth. Yes. But in reality, if Anthony Davis is healthy, Lakers win that series. Mm-hmm. Just full disclosure. Mm-hmm. So piggybacking off of that, I think – this series, they're not going to get that benefit of a Lakers team that's in turmoil. Um, LeBron's passive-aggressive nature. Uh, even AD's inconsistent play at times yeah. when he's healthy. Um, Denver is more together. Denver is more battle-tested, even from last year beating the Clippers, going to the, to the Western Conference Finals. Um, Nurkic, or um, not Nurkic. Um, Jokic. Jokic is the MVP. And I think Michael Porter Jr., we saw flashes of this last year. And I think this is why they let Gary Trent Jr. go, because – Michael Porter Jr. on offense is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. His question is, can he play defense consistently? Yes. But offensively, like, yeah. Um, Austin Rivers has been fantastic. I, you know, I know he he's somewhat polarizing because he's Doc Rivers' son, but he's battle-tested as well. He's been in some playoff games as well. He knows how to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Millsap, these guys know how to play. So, again, comparing it to the Lakers series, you got, you know, Andre Drummond coming off the bench, and he don't know what he's doing. Trez has been in the doghouse all season, so then you throw him in there, and he don't know what he's doing. Um, Gasol, right, Gasol is in there, but he he's just too old and slow and can't play in the pick and roll. Denver's – you're not going to get that from Denver. So, I agree it's going to be a long series, um, but I got Denver edging it out just because I think they just have – a bit more savvy, a bit more basketball IQ, a bit more togetherness. And I think it will be a great learning experience for the Suns, but I just think they're going to have a bit more savvy, even scheming wise. Cause again, like Frank Vogel, I don't know what he's putting in game five. You you put a lineup that's never started together. Like that's ridiculous. So I think, you know, Denver's not, Denver is not going to do those things. Fair. So that's why I would love to see the Suns because, I mean, I, I love Devin Booker's mentality and how he just took their hearts out, you know, mm-hmm. especially in that first quarter. It's fantastic to see. But, again, this is this is a level up now. You It's going to be more than just, you know, riding the wave of emotion and the runs that they're having for you to win. You're really going to have to play some basketball to beat Denver. 
even yeah. without Jamal Murray. So that's why I'm picking them. Uh, I, I I hear you, and that's where my head is, and I I just I just hope. That's why I was like in my heart. Well, I'm I'm rooting for the Suns because I mean I, I you know I love to see Chris Paul get finally get to the Western Conference Finals. I would love to see Devin Booker you know be emerge as that star because I feel like he gets disrespected on these lists. That mm-hmm. are, but I I think Denver. I just don't know if they'll be able to beat Denver. I don't know okay. if they're there yet to beat Denver. And to your point, um, DeAndre Ayton. I think he needs another 10 to 15 pounds. He just looks a bit thin. He is a bit thin. And Jokic is not a small dude. Mokic is not a small guy. So I think, the, the, like you said, man right there. yeah. Plus, like you said, the potential is there. And I think um, he's progressing well. I think typically with, uh, with big men in the NBA, they tend to kind of come on a bit later. Mm-hmm. So he's for, for this is his third year in the league, doing great. But I think mm-hmm. there's still. As you said, there's still some timidness or, or, you know, still a little timid at times, still a little unsure, like, or um, there's a few times even in, in yesterday's game where I felt like, you know, he fell for some tricks in the bag he didn't need to fall for. Yes. Um, and <laughs> the Joker's going <laughs> to put out all the tricks on him. Yes. And if he gets in foul trouble, I don't – who. They don't, they're not really that big, the Suns. So yes. he's going to have his way. Um, so that's why I got Denver. Yeah. I think, I think all your points are valid. And, and like you said, I hope you're wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Chris Paul can get through this, I would love to see, I would love to see him in there. I think he's going to make it to the finals. If the Suns can get through this series, I think they can get to it. The, the thing that worries me is what you talked about. Now I didn't even think about it until now. Is if is that the Lakers dysfunction <clears throat> benefited Chris Paul's health, you know, health situation? Because he can sit on the sideline and rest his shoulder and then say, okay, I'll come back in for a few minutes. Because it was when the game got close, when, when they actually got it to about 10 or mm-hmm. something like that. They put Chris Paul and Chris Paul hit a couple buckets, made some plays, was like, all right, you know, that's what, you know, is wish he wouldn't have got hurt in that Houston Golden State series because that's mm-hmm. what Houston needed. Mm-hmm. And, and so to see that, down. yeah, he's calm, he's under control, and he's efficient. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then the, the players were able, the other players were like, okay, I got this. Bridges made some good shots and stuff like that. Love uh, Bridges. Um, and then Chris Paul goes sit down again if he wanted to. You know, he, he could he could pick and choose what he wanted to play. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to have that luxury now. Not, not against Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to have to play it out. And, you know, God forbid his situation gets worse and he's not as effective as the general of the offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, and Cameron Payne has, has played outstanding basketball. You know, I talked about in the chat, this dude went from uh, being Russ, Russell Westbrook's dance partner and celebration partner to out of the league to – a contributor to a you know a, a a playoff team a championship contender, but he's young. He's young because you remember in that third quarter they were starting to slip a bit because he couldn't settle the team down. Yes, he didn't have control over the team, and it's like it's one thing to control yourself; it's another thing to be able to control the team. But he's young. I mean, that's what young players do as part of the learning experience. So, 
you know, that's those are the type of things that I'm looking at in terms of the matchup against Denver. Because I agree with you. If if they can somehow beat Denver and let's say it's Utah that plays Dallas and Utah gets by Dallas, mm-hmm. that's a that's a good matchup for Phoenix. Yes, it is. Outstanding matchup for Phoenix. Yeah. So like I agree with you. If they if they were somehow could beat Denver and Utah moves on, I, I would pick them to beat Utah. Because it's, it's a way better matchup. Because, mm-hmm. as you said, they I don't know what they're going to do with Devin Booker. Yeah, they got nothing for him. <laughs> because yeah. Devin's going to cancel out pretty much everything that Mitchell does. That's and and Chris Paul. And Chris and, Paul. And Chris, yeah. I, they don't really have an answer for those two. Yeah. So, man. Man, this is going to be It's all stuff. about matchups. Yeah. It's all about matchups. And, and I think, you know, Lance kind of teed us up for this type of conversation because he talked about what separates – you know, these top 50 players is the preparation, the details, the understanding of those things. And that's what these series are going to come down to is the understanding of details. So when you talk about DeAndre Ayton versus Jokic, hey, this, this cat's young, he's talented, he's got a great future ahead of him. But right now, does he have the, the wherewithal, the details, the court awareness, the situational awareness to be able to take advantage of opportunities when presented the, the defensive savvy to be able to say, I'm not going to be able to stop you, but I can make you uncomfortable. And I'm not going to pick up silly fouls. Mm-hmm. Do I have the ability to do that right now in his career? And that's a huge question mark. It's a huge question mark. And, and again, going back to last year in the bubble, I mean, that's why the Lakers beat him relatively easily because not only did you have AD, you had Dwight Howard, veteran. Mm-hmm. Veteran. They understand how to deal with a guy like Joker, right? And then mm-hmm. you have LeBron. You know, then you have Rondo. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those things matter. Man, boy, did they miss those guys this year. Man. Did they? Yeah. And Rondo. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. yeah. They missed all three of those guys. All three um, of them. So quickly, we want to get in. I know we ran over this time. We had a lot of good stuff for y'all today. So I we appreciate y'all sticking around with us through this episode. Um our last topic is, you know, uh, so Naomi Osaka, there's been a big fallout, a lot of controversy about her just not, you know, saying, hey, I'm not in a good mental um, health situation right now. I just really don't feel like talking to the media. So you have people that are, on, uh, you know, different sides of the spectrum on this. People are like, hey, these media outlets need to understand athletes' mental health and that sometimes they're just not going to want to talk to you uh, and shouldn't be required to talk to you. And others are saying, hey, that is part of what you signed up for. Uh, and you should talk to the media, but you can have, and then some are like, yeah, you, you should be, talk, be able to talk to the media, but you can have some control over how you interact with the media. So it's like, if you're not going to field questions about a certain topic, then you let that know right off the bat and you don't have to answer those. But, you know, Marshawn Lynch, you know, I'm just here so I'm going to get fine. They don't. They, they never said they had to. You had to answer the question that was presented to you. They just said you had to be there to answer questions. Uh, so people are just kind of all over the place with this one. Uh, so Coach Natty T, you brought this one onto on our agenda. So what do you what do you make of all this? Not not only Naomi Osaka, but athletes in general being required. Should they be required to speak with the media? Yeah. So well, before I go, just a side note. I was just looking at my phone here. It looks like uh, Terry Scotts is out at the Blazers. Mitri agreed to part ways. So that's a good good move. decision. Good decision, Portland. You are on the <laughs> way. You are on the way to better things. Yeah. So good move there. So back to Naomi Osaka. Um, 
real quick, I'll, there's two angles I want to go. First, with her, um, you know, obviously hope, you know, she gets all the support and everything that she needs. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I want to choose my words carefully here. <laughs> well, because the thing is, looking at the whole situation, I do think the one mistake that she made, and this is not necessarily an indictment on her, it's not her fault. I think mm-hmm. it's just the world that we live in today. We've talked about this before. You know, social media is a very tricky place. So her initial post where, you know, where she says, hold up, let me see. I'll actually, I'll go ahead and read it real quick. So I said, okay, I hope, hope you're all doing well. I'm writing this to say, I'm not going to do any press during the Roland Garros or the French Open. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health. And this rings very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sat, okay, we're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before or asked questions that bring doubt into our minds. And I'm not just going to subject myself to people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room. And I know you all have as well. I believe that the whole situation is kicking a person or kicking a person while they're down. And I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament. And a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young. So I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organizations think they can just keep saying, do press or you're going to be fine and continue to ignore the mental health of the athletes that wait of the athletes that are the centerpiece of their corporation. Then I just got to, then I just got to laugh. Anyways, I hope the considerable amount that I get fine for this will go towards a mental health charity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was her initial social media post, man. I don't disagree with anything that she said. Right. However, Twitter was not the place to place that. Mm. I think that's the one misstep that she made. Um, because, <laughs> again, I'm trying to use my words carefully here. I think we make the assumption, and she's 22 years old, so she's, right. her. I think her initial intention was good. She's just... That's what young people do. You just post it on Twitter. And I think she's posting it from a position of, hey, I'm just letting people know, hey, like this is what's going on with me. Hey, this is what's going on with fellow athletes. Try to spread an understanding. Whereas if you post something on social media, it's under the assumption that people will get it. Yeah. You post something on social media, especially in the United States, most people are a bunch of idiots. You're going to lose control of the narrative very quickly. And you're going to lose control of the narrative very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe she was having a serious like anxiety moment leading up to the tournament. And I think she, what she should have done is went to the French Open Commission and said, hey, 
this is, you know, because I know she was ranked second, but arguably she's the best tennis player in the world right now. Yeah. So yeah. if she goes to the commission without no social media posts, no nothing, and say, hey, look, um, you know, I'm having some serious anxiety here. Is there any way we can work something out with, you know, me doing media sessions? Maybe I can just do it just after matches or just do it at the end of the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, do that first. So I think that's where her misstep was. Because I honestly don't believe that she was necessarily doing it to, well, I think she was somewhat doing it to cause to bring more awareness to it. But I, I just think she was having a genuine anxiety moment leading up to the tournament. And mm-hmm. she was just trying to be proactive, but mm-hmm. it ended up backfiring. Yeah. So that's the first angle I'll go. Now, the second angle I'll go, in terms of answering the actual question, I don't want to use the word require. I think they should talk to the media because it is part of the business. It is part of how the sport gets sort of um, acknowledged around the world how it gets promoted around the world. Should it be done differently? Yes. And I think if, if there are certain athletes that have, you know, that trouble speaking to the media, I don't think they should be obligated to speak per se, or maybe there can be a different environment where they can go. Maybe it's kind of like a zoom call where they don't feel the, the crazy anxiety Maybe they can just have a few reporters talk to them, a select few. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. That whole process needs to be evolved. Yeah. I will say this, though. From an athlete's perspective, I think there's ways that you don't necessarily have to talk to the media a.k.a. Marshawn Lynch. Russell Westbrook did it too. Russell Westbrook. Even, we just talked about the Clippers, even Kawhi Leonard. Because he don't even have a social media. He don't talk at all. Tim Duncan. They were so uninteresting. (laughs) They didn't even want to talk to them. Yeah. (laughs) So I think and again, this has nothing to do with Naomi Osaka specifically because she has a serious, you know, she's, she's going through her thing. But I do think with some athletes, I think sometimes we want to have it both ways. Mm. We want to use social media to broaden our platform, which is fine. We want to use social media to broaden our brand, which is fine. But I think sometimes there's this additional obligation that athletes feel when they don't need to do that because of the extra endeavors that they have off the field, they feel like they have to give more to the media when really you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's a way that you can kind of curtail the annoyance of the media by how you respond to the media. So I think that probably should be, taught more that should be mentioned more to athletes but overall i do think the process should be different it should evolve 
And if athletes do have a genuine anxiety about public speaking, and by the way, people are more afraid of public speaking than drowning. <laughs> so that's a real thing. Amazing. Like that's an amazing statistic right there. Right. So that's a real thing. So I do think that whole media process should evolve, but I do think they should still be able to talk to media because that's just part of, that's just part of the business. But, yeah. Yeah. but, you know, I think the process should be evolved. So that's my thoughts on the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. It, it's gonna, it's gonna have to have some some real intentional reworking be done because on the media side you want to get your questions through and you want to get them them answered in a timely manner so you can put out the stories. Right. Um, and, and so you you don't want to do it where there's too much delay between the actual events and when they respond to you. So I get that. I do get that. And um, and by the way. I mean, I have one more point on top of that. Mm-hmm. They're competing with social media as well. So they're yes. trying to get it out quick. So mm-hmm. that's the other caveat to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think there, this, this whole situation has breeded the need for, for more conversations, including the athletes that are going through these, you know, um, mental health challenges, you know. So, you know, you have you know, your Tyrese, your Naomi Osaka, and, and countless others who haven't maybe necessarily verbalize it that way, um, but have some of the same reservations about this and say, hey, is there a way we can negotiate this space so everybody gets what they need? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't feel overwhelmed, but I, st- I still get my stories, you know, at the end of the day, so I can do my job too. Um, that doesn't give the media license to abuse those privileges to ask questions that's gonna further disrupt what the athletes going through, you know, it's like there's doing your job and then there's just trying to get something out of somebody just, you know, in a, in a very irresponsible way. Uh, so if there's a way that they can navigate those waters, I would like to see leagues across different sports have those discussions a little bit better than they have before. Cause I think it just goes into a, we're going to do things like we've always been done and it's going to be a cookie cutter method. And this is what it's going to be. And then, COVID hits and now people got to do their jobs differently. And you were able to have those meetings and those conversations and adapt them, right? So you've proven to yourself that you have the ability to adapt to still do your job. Now let's just throw another, you know, category into that and let's see if we can further develop that. So, so Coach Knighty, I, I do love that. I also love the delivery aspect of things because I agree. I don't think that was the, the best way to do it. I totally get what she was trying to do and, and, and hats off to her for that. It's just like the whole strategy, the presentation matters. It's like, so if I if I cook the steak perfectly and it's juicy and it has all these different flavors in it and I present it to you on this beautiful plate, you have one perception of what that steak is. If I prepare things the exact same way with the exact same flavor and put it on a trash can lid and serve it to you, you have a different perception of the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about that delivery method uh, that changes, that kind of skews your perception of what you're, actually looking at and potentially experiencing. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. It would have been a little bit more of, um, I'm gonna go straight to the source and say that I have an issue with this. Can we work together to make this happen? And if they refused, then maybe you go out and, and say stuff, right? But at least give them the exactly. chance to say yes or no. Exactly. At least give them the chance to say yes or no. Yeah. Um, Coach, the did serious you- conversations should not be had on Twitter. 
And something yes. serious as what she was experiencing and is experiencing, that shouldn't go on on social media. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think that she, if I was advising her, if I was her big brother, if I was her agent or whatever, I'd be like, well, let's see if we can just go to them first. Because she is Naomi Osaka. I think they would make accommodations for her. Yes. <laughs> right. He you know, leverage so, in this in this situation. Right. So not that they responded properly. I thought the commission just kind of I don't think they handled it well either mm-hmm. in terms of the response. But I do think to you to like you said, I think they could at least just given them a chance to say, hey, like this is what this is what's happening with us right now or with me right now. Like, can we make a certain accommodation? I think they would have. Mm-hmm. Because this is the last thing they want is for her to be out of the tournament. She's the best player in the world. Yes. So if she's like, hey, can I just do like my press conferences after the match instead of before and after? Okay. But you know, that's just me. I don't know. That's good. That's good. Uh, Coach K, did you want to add anything real quick before we wrap up? Sure. Um, I'll probably catch some slack for this, but uh, as far as like, do I think she did anything wrong? I don't think so. I mean, if you're if you're willing to, and I'm I'm like I said, I I totally agree with what you do. You do what you do what you need to do, you know, for your mental health because I feel like you you have to put yourself above. Um, you know, money. There's, there's always gonna be money. There's gonna always gonna be other tournaments. You know, um, but I mean, if you're willing to accept the consequences of or the fallout of whatever you know, what might happen, then you know, of course. I mean, do you, I, do I think that you need to speak to the media? No. I mean, I I feel like. I feel like the reason this is getting as much attention as it is just because it is Naomi Osaka. Like, you know, if it's – who's to say if it's any other tennis player, you know, like Dan Smith, like if he drops out of the tournament, this – Yeah, nobody would care. Nobody would care, you know. So, I think uh, – I'm trying to just keep it all in perspective, you know, and the most important thing being, like, you know, I have to put the player or the athlete first, so – and I don't know, kind of like how what had been mentioned, like maybe look for alternative ways to, you know, talk to the press. You know, but you know, as far as as far as do I think that um do I think that athletes need to speak to the media? I would say no. And you know, from there it's up to, you know, the governing body, how do you want to handle that? So that's just my two cents. Well, that's it for us for this episode. Man, a lot of good stuff shared. Lance dropped by and and dropped some gems along the way. Um, A lot of stuff going on in the NBA for the playoffs and stuff to be foreseen. And we'll have a a full playoff picture by the end of the night. Um, And some really, you know, with, with, you know, being on the, House of um, at the end of you know mental health mental health awareness. You know, I think the, the timing is really good for this situation because I think it's becoming less stigmatic. You know, less of a stigma. You know, for for I think the conversations are opening up. Mm-hmm. 
and so these governing bodies that you talk about, Coach K, you know, I think they need to be, you know, working with the athletes to come up with the best scenario possible for everyone. So everybody could do their job and they could um, do it productively with, with good mental health attached to it. Because the last thing you want is your athletes to be going through something and it affects the way you're playing. Now it affects the entire sport, right? So we don't want everything to that, that you're affecting your career, you're, effect, you're reflecting the sport uh, and everything else that comes along with it. So a lot of good stuff today, guys. Uh, thank you all for stepping into the coach's box. Look forward to throwing out another episode next week. Um, and have a great weekend. Be safe. Um, you know, decrease, the, let's, let's be, do our part to decrease the stigma of mental health in our own communities. You know, think about yourself, think about your family, your friends, be there for one another, uh, give people space uh, to, to process and progress. Uh, and, and if you're, if you're struggling, going through something, you know, seek out people that have your best interests at heart, whether they be, you know, someone in your circle or a licensed professional. Uh, sometimes we just all need to get stuff off of our chest. We really need help to, to process things, to get things to a point where we could be uh, productive in our respective industries. So I uh, appreciate y'all listening. Talk to y'all next week. Peace. Peace.